0: The following program is a repeat of The Farm Show, which airs Thursday nights on KCLR from 7. Brought to you by tierlawnfarmlife.com This is The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you with thanks to tierlawnfarmlife.com
1: Yes, indeed, you're very welcome to the Farm Show. On the programme this evening, we chat to Thomas Ryan of Tirlan about all matters of sustainability. Elsewhere, I went in this morning to chat to Michael Fitzgerald of Chagask about the state of farming weather-wise and uh, upcoming issues that have to be well-planned by farmers. Elsewhere, Joe Leonard, the chairman of the Nuffield Conference in Ireland, will uh, be telling us about the... Forthcoming conference happening at the end of next week in down in down in Tullow, and uh, of course we'll have a sheep report from Eric, and uh, we'll also hear from George Candler about all things livestock. And if we can fit it in over the course of the hour, we'll listen back to an interview I conducted uh, some time ago with Pat McCormack, the outgoing uh, president of ICMSA. He's soon to be, uh, of course, uh, replaced by a Kilkenny man. Now, first of all, however, Thomas Ryan, you're very welcome to the Farm Show.
2: Hello, Martin. It's good to talk to you and your listeners once again tonight. Thanks for having me.
1: Listen, we'll get straight down to it because there's a, there's a big agenda of issues I, I do want to deal with. Um, there's been some respite for farmers who might still have dungsteads uh, full or had at the close, at the end of the, the period for spreading because obviously going out with heavy machinery on some land just wasn't, uh, wasn't um, a, a viable option or a practical option. So the department did decide that they could hold over.
2: Yeah, that's right, Matt. So this is specifically around the whole area, of farmyard manure. So, look, there was some concern uh where, look, farmyard manure might have been out in the fields, but, look, um, farmers and your listeners just didn't get around to spreading it um, um, uh, within the period. So what the department have come out and they've clarified is that where the farmyard manure is piled in fields but not spread, it can be left until the spreading period opens again next year. Um, look... Your listeners and and yourself, myself would rightly say there's logic around that, but it's important that that clarity came in, so so no farmer will be will be penalised, uh, if you like, for 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 not going out and and spreading that farmyard manure, because as we all know, ground conditions aren't good. Uh, you do a lot of soil damage, which would then impact on the open season in terms of the the the, the growing season early next year. So, just to say to your listeners that where they have farm revenue piled in a field, and it's not spread, it can be now left uh, uh, until the spreading period begins uh, next year. In their in their statement that the department issued around this, look, they are reminded that that the manure must be stored in a suitable area, and to ensure look the, the risk of runoff uh, 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 is kept to a minimum, as well as keeping an eye on buffer and buffer zones. We've seen some extensions as I would have spoken to previously around um, uh, the spreading. dates. This is, this is another one. It's a small measure, but look, it takes uh, maybe a worry uh, that might be on your listeners' uh, mind right now um, uh, at this very difficult period.
1: Yeah, and of course that farmyard manure it won't come to any harm just to have to wait for a, a couple of months to be spread. It is great stuff, all that humus, there's nothing like it to build up uh, fertility in soil.
2: There's not, and i tell you, if you talk to, if you go back a generation, you talk to any tillage farmer who would have really got the real value of their farm air manure and their, and their tillage crops, um, and, uh, plowing it in, it's, I've often said to you, um, when the whole area of soil health, we're almost going back a generation to go forward as, as we become more and more strict in the amount of bag fertilizer we can use. It's leading us to look around and realize the nutrient value, whether it's in our farm yard manure, whether it's in our, our slurries or organic manures, as they're called, uh, and maximizing the value of that and then topping up, topping up then with the back fertilizer. So the organic manure, whether it's the farm yard manure, whether it's the slurries, think about, look, um, I see on our own future farm program, um, and that we run in partnership, uh, with, with Chagas, uh, here in Tierlawn, we have Sampled um, some of the the farmers participating have actually sampled the nutrient content of the slurry, and it's it's the same as a nutrient management plan for all the world. It's the fundamental, basic building block of knowing how much more fertilisers do I need on top of this. Where rather than assuming its nutrient content, do a test. It's not very expensive. Understand the nutrient content, and then build up your 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 nutrient requirements on the back of it. Um, It's a really it's a really strong and uh, um, soil. Soil-enricher uh, both farmyard and, and the, the farm manure and and slurries as well, that
1: Right, those gardeners pay lots of money for those soil conditioners, and there it is, the the, the the real thing. Thomas, it's a while since we've spoken. We've had a budget since then, and it contained any number of uh, um, topics and, and items, but a couple of uh, what I might describe as green ones.
2: Yeah, so I suppose it was, it was maybe around the 10th of October, a couple of weeks ago now, when, when the budget, if you like, when, um, um, the Minister for Finance, uh, laid out the budget for the year ahead and followed up soon by that then with the Minister for Agriculture setting out the specific measures in, in, in agriculture. So what we do know is that the overall Department of Agriculture budget for next year is just shy of 2 billion euros, so it's 1.94 billion. Maybe focusing maybe on the, maybe some of the farmyard pieces uh, we see there on the whole area of slurry storage, um, there was a new uh, TAMS funding uh, to come and play at the rate of 70% grant aid to be available for farmers who import slurry under contract to build slurry storage facilities. So this is where uh, a farmer is is, is importing slur, um, and slurry, uh, that there's um, a TAMS funding available there up to 70%. Uh, in addition, um, a separate investment ceiling for all farmers um, at the relevant rates of either 40 or 60% is available where farmers are, are um, putting in place additional um, um, slurry storage uh, beyond their legal, legal requirements. I think, importantly, um, the accelerated capital allowance uh, relief on slurry storage that, that that was introduced about two years ago, that's remaining in place. A um, couple of other things maybe that are jumping out to me, Matt, as you, as, as you wonder, look around the budget is, the whole area of soil sampling and multi-species. So the soil sampling um, scheme um, has been extended with an objective of 90,000 soil, soil samples over the next 12 to 18 months. I would have spoken in the past around, around farm safety um, and interestingly enough, there's been a, a like a budget of 2.5 million uh, has been ring-fenced for the whole area of farm safety with the accelerated Capital Allowance for farm safety equipment um, at the rate of 50% per annum. Uh, being extended until the end of 2026. A Couple of other things jumping out in the area of beef and sheep. There's a $113 million fund in place, um, to support the beef and sheep sector. And really at the core of that, it breaks out to 200 euros for suckler cow and 20 euros for, for the yo. Uh, support then also exists around the agri, um, the acre scheme, the agri-climate rural environmental scheme, as is known, uh, funding there for forestry, organics and horticulture. In the case of forestry, $110 million. Um, in organics, $57 million. And then in addition to that, horticulture, $14.35 uh, On Maybe maybe, maybe on the flip side, just a couple of things to, to keep an eye on, maybe look, the carbon tax. The carbon tax has increased now since the 11th of October um, uh, by uh, two cents per, per litre on the petrol and diesel, uh, with other fuels coming in, being impacted from from the from the first of May, I think many of your listeners would have read around the change in the long term leasing of land where eligibility for for land uh, leasing income tax relief uh, is being amended where uh, requiring that those who avail of that relief they must have owned the land for seven years um and look that that look that's responding to the concerns that was raised so there are just maybe a couple of things that are that are jumping out of me very quickly as I think back over 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 the budget and maybe Put a put a like a green lens to a point on on some of the measures that have been that have, are set to be introduced next year as part of the budget that was, that was announced a few weeks ago.
1: And so, an issue you regularly highlight the Sustainable Farming Academy uh, run at UCC uh, by Tierland in conjunction with Bailey's. Uh, you have a couple of local gradu- gr- graduates to congratulate.
2: We do, and and tomorrow is the big day, Matt. So so tomorrow our our first. Graduates, the first cohort of our farm family suppliers that began their studies uh, last September, so September of 2022. Uh, they're graduating tomorrow at 3.30 uh, from UCC with their diploma, their diploma in environment, climate and, and sustainability. And it's a really proud moment for them and their families. Uh, and Eamon Sheehan out in Cops Grange and Seamus O'Shea over in Carlo, are two of the 20 graduates um, and, and that will graduate tomorrow. Um, it's a real. It's a. You know, we we've, we've been contacted by by many of those uh, of far family suppliers that, that have participated, looking for additional tickets for for their for their partners to attend and and, and and also their children. And with that, I pick up the real sense of pride that they have not just in their own qualification and their education, but the fact they want to share that story with their own final family. And within Lawn here it's all part of, as you say, this sustainable farming academy partnership with our customer baileys where each year we have 20 fully funded diploma places available or if you like our next cohort or second cohort of family suppliers began this september and please got all going well <clears throat> they'll graduate this time next year again it's all part of us supporting our suppliers on their sustainability journey this whole sustainability piece and space is in transition and tier on as a co-op we're very much invested in working hand in glove with our with our family suppliers on that journey,
1: yeah, and I'll be expecting them to sing for their supper on the farm show as good ambassadors <laughs> of of Irish farming in due course. Uh, Thomas, uh, that 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 money that's available for undertaking sustainability actions by Tierland suppliers, uh, people need to confirm the, the measures they're going to adopt.
2: They do so. So this is the the half a, cent a litre sustainability action payment. <clears throat> so so it's half a, cent a litre and it's worth on average about 3,000 euros to a farm and family supplier. There's a menu of 18 options. They are ranging from everything to, from everything around nutrient management plans, having a NASA sustainability plan, y- using farm gen, sex semen. Uh, and suppliers are asked, have a look at the 18, select seven actions they're taking on their farm in order to lock in that half a cent a litre next year. So the, so sort of the ask, then the reminder now is go onto your tiered on farm account. Go in there, you'll see the 18 actions. Declare the 7 to lock in the half a cent again next year. Uh, great support for it again this year. Uh, uh, following on from last year, just a gentle reminder to your listeners, you know, we are coming. There's only, it's hard to believe it, but there's <clears throat> there's maybe six, seven weeks left between now and year end. Don't leave it at the last minute. Don't forget about it. Uh, a euro saved is as good as a euro earned in terms of going in and declaring the action because the Fairtrough Family Suppliers are doing the actions anyway. Let's get the value out of it and make sure they don't leave any sense behind them, but they clear their action and turn on farm life as part of sustainability action payment.
1: That's for sure. Just a, a moment of your time, Thomas, and don't take this personally now. I'm just bouncing a ball off of you. I see an article in the journal by Professor Jerry Boyle, the former uh, director of Chagisk, and it's about uh, the fact that farmers are being urged to reduce their carbon um uh, output, if you like, but there is no cognizance being taken in the balance sheet. There is no balance sheet of the amount of carbon that 's being sequestered i I know it 's difficult to um uh, itemize it or measure it accurately, but huge amounts of carbon being sequestered in soils, in hedgerows, and then there's all the, you know, trees that are being sown and they won't get uh, credit for those either. Not a lot of farmers, I would suggest, are are getting close enough to zero carbon if you were to take the sequestration as well as the output.
2: Yeah, um, and Matt, I never mind you bouncing a ball with me at all, so, but I think. The, the core point you're making is really important here. At the moment, that balance sheet is very one-sided. So um, right now, with the methane and nitrous oxide. The CO2 equivalent is the area that's looked at and that, if you like, farming, whether it's the co-op or whether it's our farm family suppliers are judged on. As you rightly call out, the carbon that's sequestered in the soil or that's stored in the hedgerows or the forestry is not taken into consideration at all. As a co-op, we, we, look, we recognize that and I was, I was, I was in federal last night in a regional meeting and it was in Mulnavat the week before and at both then meetings this issue also came up. So we're, uh, through our, through our future farm program, through our partnership, um, as part of the signpost program with Chagas, we're actually heavily invested in seeking to get, uh, to get these questions answered on whole area carbon sequestration. So on each of our, our, our farm, our future farm participants, we're doing uh, above-ground LIDAR analysis. Uh, we're funding that of the actual carbon that's stored in the hedgerows, uh, and we're doing deep soil carbon analysis as well. Our, uh, the, the farmers that are participating in the Future Farm Programme are members of what's called NASCO, which is the National Agricultural Soil Carbon Observatory. Because whilst, you know, people write about the frustration, it's... Tierlawn and others who are resourcing around solutions and and answers to the questions that are being asked we can no longer just allow farming be portrayed as a one side narrative of it's all about the cow and the meat thing. there's so much happening underneath the cow in terms of it, within the soil and within the hedgerows and what we're setting out to do through the, our funding and financing with uh Chagas and that signpost programme is begin to scientifically answer that question so farmers get the fairest reflection. Um, because and, and, and it may not be zero, but, but right now uh, right now that's, that, if you like, scales is too lopsided and farmers are not getting a fair representation of their work. So I would hope charges have indicated maybe 2025, to 2026, when that settled science comes through, the quicker the better. Uh, the quicker the better because right now so many policy decisions are being made. You know, look at, look at the past couple of months we've had where there's been talks about various measures, culls and no culls, and would there be or wouldn't there be. All this is all creating huge uncertainty and concern, and a level of perhaps jadedness also amongst uh, um, amongst farmers generally. We need a science, and we need it quickly, and it needs to come in. and it, it needs to give us the fairest picture and the most accurate picture of what's happening on the farm.
1: Well, you'll be delighted to know that you've cheered me up for the evening now, because cheerlan uh, is proactively engaged in this whole thing, and I, I, I think eventually we'll 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 square the circle and get. Uh, Due recognition for farmers. Thomas, thank you very much for joining me on The Farm Show this evening.
0: The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by tierlawnfarmlife.com
1: Earlier today, I called into the Kells Road to talk to to Michael Fitzgerald about the state of play in farming. Michael, it's an extraordinarily challenging and difficult time weather-wise for farmers.
3: Right across the spectrum, dairy, dry stock, tillage, Yes, certainly Matt. Recent weather has has led to all sorts of uh, issues on farms. Uh, Milk yield has gone down pretty rapidly in in the the last while. Stock house rarely. The the price is not helping as well. Milk is not helping at the moment either. So everything is kind of just a perfect storm at the moment in in, in that regard. But we have to kind of see through this and, and... plan ahead for the, for the future uh, at the same time. There's a double whammy there with cows or cattle gone in early. It's going
1: to put extra pressure on what would have been normally adequate forage, adequate silage supplies.
3: But there's also grass left out in the field that will deteriorate if it's left there indefinitely. Yeah, but grazing conditions are, are very, very difficult at the moment, Matt, as everyone knows. Um I suppose the lighter stock are the possibility of it to clean off some of this. It is important that this grass do, does get cleaned off at at some stage. There will be, you know, this can happen throughout the winter to to try and kind of clear off old uh, old butts that are that are there in swards. We've seen this in previous. you have seen this in in, in the past, uh, and and there will be opportunities there. But it is important that that some of these old butts that that are there that they are grazed off at some stage.
1: Yeah, are you worried at all about farmers knowing how much silage
3: they have and? Planning for a, a march, let out maybe. Who knows? Yeah, but well, we don't know what's going to happen uh, next spring, Matt. And any calculations that were done on fodder, on fodder budgets and so on a couple of months back, everything looked to be fine. Now uh, we haven't—that wasn't factoring in what has happened in in, in the last uh, couple of months. So, we, you know, we may have to sort of look at that again. Uh, even maize crops and that sort of thing that were been harvested in recent weeks. That—that uh, that was, and there's still some more to be done. That—that's been difficult. Um, Territory, so we have to we have to keep uh, keep an open mind on on some of these things as the as the winter goes on. Now, there's one big big area that uh, some farmers are going to have to plan for, whether
1: they like it or not. The derogation is reduced from two fifty to two twenty, and the sooner you act, the
3: better. Am I right? Yeah, that's the message that I that I want to get out there, Matt. So this this kicks in for the on the first of January, twenty twenty four, and we know that's that's the regulations are going to be operating out of up to the end of twenty twenty five. You know, thereafter in twenty twenty six, we don't know, but we know where the next two years where where the goldpools are. So people with you know stock numbers, we people really have to look at where their where their stock numbers are at the moment. There's probably four options that I'd be looking at there, and just just go through them with you. So what are the first things to consider is decreasing stock numbers on farms. Now, it's something that I people are reluctant to do, but we'd be encouraging people to look at a couple of scenarios. The cows are the ones, the dairy cows are the ones that you want to hold on to. Some places there may be extra, some farms there may be surplus heifers being reared. That consideration needs to be, needs to be, that needs to be considered for the future. Other cattle enterprises on the farm, they could be looked at as well. Can they be, can they be reduced? And we also have some situations where this bus is overstocking on, on some farms. Uh, on the milking platform, we're normally looking at something at about three and a half cows to the hectare on the milking platform. Once it goes above that, you're into a situation where you may be buying in feed Getting under pressure in in drought situations are uh, on very heavy land as we've kind of seen recently where the issues are arising. So some you know those that needs to be thought about. The other one then would be going out to get extra land. Now we saw the way the, the whole conacre and and rental land and then lease land, but the price of that went uh, this spring. That that's sort of dangerous territory. Trying people locking themselves into high rentals. So what we're suggesting there to people is to just do a few calculations. Um, in the Chagas office, here we've kind of in the last two weeks have a number of kind of calculators available to us to do consultations with farmers to work out, you know, how much they can afford to give for rented land because this will vary from farm to farm. So now is the time to do that before you, you know, before you start thinking about uh, uh, actually going out and and, rent, and renting extra extra land. Two other options there. One of them probably is certainly decreasing in terms of what has been compared to the past, which would be the export of slurry to neighbouring farmers, to other farms with the increase in regulations and the implementation of this fertiliser database. Uh, that means that there's, there's less farmers out there that can really afford to, to take in slurry from farmers that are highly stocked. So I'd say this one has kind of been, it's nearly kind of running, coming to the end of the road uh, in that one. Contract rearing is another option where you can get heifers reared on other farms. We're probably finding in practice that there's less and less farmers out there that are in a position to to, to do that enterprise. So I wouldn't be, I have huge expectations that that's an answer for, for, for a lot of people. So that's, they're the sort of the four options that are, that are there. Just to make one uh, key point here, Matt, there's a sort of a sweet spot that we're identifying there in terms of stocking rate, somewhere between about 200 to 220 kilos per hectare organic uh that corresponds to growing something like about 13 tons of grass dry matter per hectare and that's 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 the sort of sweet spot we like to see on on lots of farms so that in cow terms that's slightly less if we take the middle band of cow 92 kilo cow that's slightly less than a a cow to the acre and that's that's probably where we'd be encouraging farmers to to aim for that's a good standard to achieve uh, and that's not being achieved uh, everywhere and on some farms it's probably being achieved on the milking platform but maybe not being achieved on on outblocks and that so that's something to be to be looked at also.
1: The banding issue is superimposed for some farmers on, on high productivity herds.
3: Yeah, most of the farmers that, that, that I'm dealing with are operating out of the middle band. So that's the 92 kilo cow. Uh, now, there are a small number that are on the high band, 106 kilos. And certainly we've seen this year how the, you know their figures, have, their nitrogen figures, organic nitrogen figures have increased considerably. So there's a small number of people in the in that high band situation, and uh, they have bigger issues facing them in the future as to how many how much stock they can keep on their farms, and uh, we'll have to look at the options that I've outlined there regarding renting extra land and and so on. Now, just a brief uh, definition of this banding for those
1: listening to us that don't know what it's about.
3: Yeah, well, banding, well, it's a it's it's, it's well, essentially we have three bands: we have low, middle, and and high. And that's linked to, in other words, the, the cow that produces more milk, uh, she'd, produce, she'd excrete more nitrogen, organic nitrogen at the same time. So it's an attempt to match the band with the with the production of the cow. So we have the high band cow, the one that produces more than 6,500 kilos of, of milk. Uh, and then we have the middle band cow between four and 6,500. So that's most of the cows that we have in, in, in this this part of the country. And then we have the low band with uh, under 4,500, not too many farmers. And we probably tend to find farmers who are on once a day milking in in, in that low band um, uh, situation.
1: Yeah, we won't get into the debate about penalising more productive, more industrious cows, if you like. That's that's a debate for another day. But uh, Michael, in terms of postponing any decisions on reducing stocking rates or any of the other options until uh, March or April when
3: I can get my head around it. Not a good idea. Yeah, well, that's why uh, I'm doing the interview with you um, this evening, Matt, uh, because um, I want to get people to plan for it. Now is a good time between now and the end of the year uh, to do that because one of the situations that we're trying to avoid is that if you're making changes to the stock numbers on your farm, uh, and if you, if you don't make them, if you don't put them in place on the 1st of January and you carry cows over and, and, and so on, they're, they're all going to be there against you next year. And that would lead you into, uh, into, into maybe a difficult uh, situations to, to get out of in terms of stocking rate.
1: Because it's an annualised
3: yeah, an calculation,
1: so if you if you're short three or four months, that piles more pressure on the other eight months.
3: It does, yeah. I mean, I've had discussions with some farmers just regarding cold cows. Some people would be in, the, in traditionally keeping the cold cows maybe until April or so and fattening them, and you know, that has consequences in terms of clocking up uh, organic nitrogen figures on the uh, on the farm. So these are the kind of questions need to be thought about. I suppose they, one of the ones we don't have a full answer to at the moment is the 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 calves. There has been some special Calculation that the, the, the calf, whether the calf from naught to twelve months, is given the same rating of to twenty four kilos uh, organic nitrogen, uh, and I suppose it doesn't. You know, anyone can well anyone can see that a calf a week or two or three weeks old obviously won't have anything like the same figure as a, a weanling at, at eleven months. So there has been some discussion. Maybe this can be looked at by the by the department because we don't want to see issues regarding uh, calf welfare. Uh, when it comes, come next spring, we don't want to see, want to see people that are comfortable keeping calves and until they're fit to, to move to another farm. So that's, that's one that maybe can be looked at.
1: The advice generally, Michael, talk to your Shaggis or your private advisor in, in time and make plans.
3: Yeah. And and, then the next two weeks, Matt, I think would be, would be what we'd be encouraging. Thank you, Michael.
1: Now, our next interview, a little bit dated, but I couldn't resist uh, playing it because Pat McCormack is concluding his term as president of ICMSA just towards the end of this month. Will be replaced by Dennis Drennan of uh, of Kilkenny. But uh, here's a little bit of what uh, Pat had to say to me when I caught up on him some weeks ago. Pat McCormack, president of ICMSA... You've served your time and then some. You've been involved at national level in uh, representative roles in ICMSA for, what, 14, 16 years?
4: Yeah, I suppose you could ask the question, where were you the third week of December 2009? um, I was elected Dairy Chairman at that time and gave six years in that role. The last four of them being Deputy President and, and two subsequent years as Deputy President and now heading into the final long in my sixth year as President. And, you know, I suppose it's fair to say that farm politics and the challenges facing farmers uh, have been coming hot and heavy in recent weeks and months. And I've not doubt in the next three to four months, there'll be no change. And certainly from my point of view, it'll be full speed ahead until the third week of December till we hold our AGM. In that period of time, there have been very much two halves. You can t- call it a game of two halves. From 09 right through to, and indeed beyond 2015, there was a huge... Opportunity and an optimism and a sense of energy about the dairy industry and expansion. Um, sadly, in the last number of months, that has been drained, and the challenge, the challenges are there. The challenges are there to keep the family farm model vibrant in in the months and years ahead. We see the the 250 move to 220, and and the likelihood that it will be very hard to change that. Uh, but certainly, twe- tweaks need to be made uh, to make it less damaging to the dairy and the family farm model that's out there.
1: While we're on that subject, Pat, do you get vexed or at least very tired of the ongoing, incessant criticism of farmers? Because my view is that farmers are, are doing an awful lot of work.
4: They're doing an awful lot of work. And, you know, if you look at any company, they have CEOs and CFOs and production engineers and labor uh, floor personnel and, and site managers. The farmer is all of those. Uh, in, in, in the single, the single scale of things for the vast majority of, of the single units that are out there. They are all of those things. Certainly, we may be responsible for, and I say we may be responsible for a third of the emissions or a third of the water quality issues, but we take 100% of the blame. Uh, we're seen as the soft, soft target out there but when there's a challenge whether that's a snowstorm with Storm Emma in 2017 or whatever it was or the COVID the first things to go off our shelves are food so food security is a huge issue and it cannot be undermined and we hear the President talking about people changing their diets the the proven diet is the animal protein uh, right down through the generations and the challenge is for the others to come up to that but certainly food security bread, meats they're the first to go off our shelves irrespective of the crisis whether it's snow or COVID Pat, you referenced the abolition of quotas, uh, uh, which brought
1: such great enthusiasm to the industry. And despite the the critics, it was one of the great developments, experiences of our farming careers.
4: Yeah, without a doubt, I suppose for myself, I took over farming in 1998. In 2006, I became a member of the ICMSA Dairy Committee. There was a huge apprehension for the family farm model about being blown away with the abolition of quotas, and ICMSA expressed that for a significant period of time. But I think, you know, once they reduced uh, the support mechanisms for European and Irish dairy farmers, there was no, it was a no-brainer. It has served rural Ireland extremely well. When you go back to 08-09, the, the deep cause of recession, there was a lot of people in rural Ireland out there looking for work you go out to rural Ireland today, anyone that wants a job has a job. Any young fella, irrespective of whether they're from a farm or not, is willing to go out there and milk cows for the summer if they're in second and third level education. They have a job, they have, they have money in their pocket. The indirect thing was the construction, be it yesterday there with with, with with a political party and, and Elaine Houlihan was on it from Macra, And we were having that discussion. The contractor is used now by a lot of the larger scale farmers and the contractor needs to have an employee. They may have an employee for the summer spreading story, but it's all benefiting. There's opportunities in rural Ireland and that's created by the expansion of the dairy industry, directly and indirectly.
1: Pat, you're, you're still in office, and, and and as you say, at full sprint for the next couple of months, what are the priorities for ICMSA up to the end
4: of the year? And I presume nitrates is one of them. Yes, look, there's a nitri- the, an, an ongoing review of nitrates and, and water quality. Um, we have the budget, I suppose, in the intervening time, and one of the challenges, and I'll be disappointed if it doesn't come off, for the family farm model the sole trader in the budget is a mechanism to re- reduce the level of volatility of farm management deposit scheme. Given that we've seen a reduction in milk price by in in excess of 25 cents at this stage in 12 month period it's unprecedented but it shows the volatility that's out there and you know farmers are coming in challenged to the the stand challenged after a visit to their accountant with the tax liability they have whereas if the management deposit scheme was in place 12 months ago mcconnell was here only a few minutes ago farmers could use that fund now to pay that tax liability. But there are many other challenges, the environment. It's very unfair to count the calf from zero to 12 months. Uh, something has to be done there because calf welfare has been an issue during the year and I was involved in some of the discussions and some of the the, the highlights and the challenges that were associated with that. And, uh, you know, to count the calf from day one is, is disingenuous to the dairy farmer from the nitrates perspective. We need to move to a three months and onwards, or a six months and onwards, something needs to be done there. There also needs to be a recognition of the crude protein content in the dairy note, and if a farmer is using a 12% versus 18%, that should be recognized in the kgs of organic nitrogen per cow it's treated. At a time Pat, when farmers need
1: more cohesion, more cooperation than ever before, there's a fragmented representative uh, range of, of bodies. I, I saw what I thought was a quite unedifying interaction between IFA and ICMSA up on Kildare Street there last week or the week before. What did you make of that?
4: Well, I, I, I caught and I was listening to the radio coming in this morning and, and president of the IFA and I'd have had a great working relationship with the IFA down through the years in the last 14 years I would have served on the, the Farmers Charter with Eddie Downey and with Tim O'Leary uh, and we'd have made great progress together unfortunately they made a decision not to win the Farmers Charter this year the interaction on the day, look, we went in about our business. We felt there was three and a half thousand of our members, uh, exposed. It was regrettable that we were left with no choice other than, other than to, to pass a protest. But we felt we needed to do that to win, to tell McConnell the issues of the day. Uh, a lot of the, the issues were the very same issues that were discussed outside, or being discussed outside, I'm told. Uh, certainly when we, when we came out, we treated the IFA with respect and, and we went down, uh, to the Buzzwell to do any media interviews that were required. Look, I don't believe there's anything to be got by shouting at each other. That's why I certainly didn't shout at anybody. It's unfortunate I suppose that that there wasn't uh, more dialogue prior to that, and, and maybe the opportunity to listen. Uh, but to quote Tim this morning on the Michael D. Uh, one's diet is is is, is the right of one's freedom and to win. I had a duty and an obligation to our membership to win and to express the concerns that they expressed to me about the move from 250 to 220 and the subsequent consequences for the family fare model that we pride ourselves in representing.
1: Now, I did give the health warning. Some of those topics a little bit dated, but nonetheless worth hearing from Pat McCormick in his final stint as President of ICMSA. You can get the extended interview online after the programme. We're back in just a moment with the talk of the Nuffields Conference.
0: The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by tierlawnfarmlife.com
1: The Nuffield conference is happening next uh, next Friday, not tomorrow, next Friday week. And uh, joining me on the phone is Joe Leonard, the chairman of Nuffield Ireland. Joe, you're very welcome to The Farm Show.
5: Thank you Matt, thank you very
1: much for having me on. It's uh it's always a big gig, most impressive and uh tell me about the format of of the conference first of all because it it, it includes past uh scholars who will be in attendance and also people providing papers and uh reports on their on their current uh, studies.
5: Yeah, so Matt, it's um, it's our annual conference. So uh, I suppose the primary the primary um, reason for it is for our scholars who are uh, coming back with their findings. So these, this year we have our twenty twenty two scholars coming back. We have four of them coming back presenting their papers. Um, so we have them; they range in topics from looking at how we can encourage farmers to prioritise water quality on farms and actions to improve those to um, how positive animal health can affect one's climate impact and um, through carbon budgeting and um, the benefits of um, integrated dairy, dairy beef farming. So we have a good broad selection of um, topics coming back. Um, we would also have a keynote speaker, um, and this is a, a lady over from a lady called Amy Jackson. She's coming over from the UK, um, and she'd be process some kind of Apart from other things, she's also a Past Northfield Scholar, and um, she'd be I suppose, presenting a, a, a paper um, entitled "Finding Common Ground." So it's, it's looking for her farmers, you know, a, a way that we can look at the some of the the disconnect between consumers and the urban dwellers and, and farmers, and how we can help develop consensus and speed up climate action within agriculture. So there's a good a good range of stuff for people and. Also, this year, I suppose for a, a one-off, we're um, have, uh, put a, a paying tribute to Pork Walsh. He was um, sadly passed away in February this year, as, as you know very well, Matt. He, I know he was a friend of yours, but he was also, um, from a Nuffield point of view, he was one of our very first scholars. So we thought it was nice; it'd be nice to pay tribute to him as well. So that'll be included.
1: Yeah, himself and uh, Jim McCarthy, if I'm not badly mistaken, were the first two scholars, that, and, and Nuffield had been going for many years across the pond, but its introduction to Ireland has been a huge success.
5: Yeah, a great success. I mean, I mean, as I say, it's, it's, you say it started across the pond, I think, in 1947 or something, so it's going a very long time there, but in Ireland, it, it I think it was... Was it Matt Dempsey and um, Michael Berkeley who were credited with bringing it to Ireland in 1996? And as you say, Port Walsh and um, Jim McCarthy were two very first scholars. So definitely, a uh.
1: Yeah, and, and, uh, uh, the, the two things that I'm most impressed with, with the whole Nuffield scholarship concept is the breadth of, um, backgrounds of the scholars themselves. They come from all walks of, um, agri-food farming, if you like, but also the breadth of what they study is, is, uh, and you listed this year's scholarship, uh, topics, uh, hugely impressive and diverse.
5: Yeah, very diverse. I mean, and that's what Nuffield is about. It's about bringing people—you know, anybody who's involved in agriculture, the agricultural community—you know, um, giving them a chance to develop their leadership skills and giving them a chance to to travel. And um, that's—I what it, I mean, Nuffield is fundamentally a, it's a travel bursary, so they they travel and they study a topic of their their choice. Um, and I suppose we have topics as, as diverse as, as as the people themselves, so <laughs> we get a good broad range. Um, and they travel for you know, they do their study topic and then they come back and report it after having done ten to twelve, fourteen weeks travel, depending on um, where they take they travels take them. So
1: As far as I know, there are still tickets available for the conference. Give it a shout out, Joe.
5: Definitely we we'll, we're holding a conference um next Friday, so as you say, the tenth of November in Mount Woolsey Hotel, um in County Tolo, County Carlo. Um it'll be a great event. It's you know, we're, it's gonna be open by um Minister um, Pippa Hackett. Um, we'll have our four scholars presenting. We'll have um, our keynote speaker, Amy Jackson, and we'll have a tribute to Pork Walsh's legacy as well, along with updates from our current scholars who are doing their travels and where they've got to in the world. So it could be a really good event, and everybody's welcome. So if you go onto the Nothing Island website, you can book tickets there.
1: Perfect. I'm looking forward to it myself. Joe Leonard, uh, Chairman of Nuffield, Ireland. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. Matt,
5: thank you very much for having me on.
1: Now, straight over to Tolo and we'll hear a sheep report from Eric Driver.
0: Another big sale today in Tolo here with over 2,000 sheep on offer. And the heavy lamb trade holding steady. We'd have to say the store trade is a little easier. But you have to be mindful of the weather conditions that we're meeting with. Looking at some prices there then. Those lambs over... Uh, 48 Kilos today, they're selling there from 146 up to 156 today and a good lively trade there uh, with the store lamb trade then those 30 to 32 Kilos, they're selling from the mid 70s up to 94 and 5 94 and 5, differential in price but also in quality there uh, with the 34 5 Kilos up to 40 Kilos they're selling there from the mid 80s up to 101 or 2, again, differential in quality types uh, with the 40 to 43 and 4 Kilos, they're selling there from 110 up to 123 and 4 euros cash Joe trade here no great change in the cash Joe trade heavy O's out to a top call there of 180 lots of O's there saying between 140 160 and just to remind everyone that this uh, coming Friday we have our weekly cattle sale and on Saturday we have our weanling sale and also there's a pedigree charlay sale at one o'clock here on Saturday so overall large sale trade holding good for the well-fleshed lambs store trade somewhat easier but the weather is certainly taking its toll The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by tierlawnfarmlife.com KCLR
1: Mart Report. Sponsored by Kilkenny Livestock Mart. Serving the farming community for
6: over 60 years.
1: And neither can we afford to miss George Candler's livestock report. Take uh, away, thanks, George.
6: Uh, thanks, Matt. Uh, slightly smaller sale today, twelve hundred an offer. Uh, the top notches are still selling very well. I'm talking about the good country continentals, but unfortunately some of the cattle are definitely showing effects of the weather and they they're more difficult to get away. But the six hundred kilo plus bullocks, so the price range here, one ninety two eight five per kilo. That's twelve ninety to two thousand one hundred per head. Uh the two thousand one hundred for uh, three Charlie bullocks, nine twenty five, making two thousand one hundred. Five to six hundred kilo bullock. For from 180 to 320 per kilo, 910 to 1690 per head, 4 to 500 kilo bullock from 175 to 309 per kilo, 780 to 1510 per head, with a under 400 kilo price range here from 150 to 295 per kilo, or from 520 to 1150 per head. Frisian cold cows, unfortunately, the plain ones and the Jersey ones are not being, uh, not easy to get away. But the uh, uh, Frisian Cold cows, the bulk of those Frisians, 60 cent to two euro per kilo, with the Continentals from 140 to 6.5 per kilo. Beef heifers 2.10 to 3.35 per kilo that's 13.50 to 19.60 per head. Uh, the four store heifers from 2 euro, 2.76 per kilo, 7.50 to 13.50 per head with the lighter types from 180 to 3.35 per kilo 4.80 to 10.60 per head. At that top price there in that section for uh, 4 Charlie heifers, smashing heifers, 2.60 kilo, they got into 8.70. Our sale uh, was not a Monday due to pank holiday. I was was selling bulls in Ross Grey but on Tuesday our cull ewes range from 76 to 180 per head. Store lounge from 75 to 110. Factories from 120 to 140. Butcher type 145 to 160. And remember this week we're back on Monday with our sheep sale and uh, Tuesday with our uh, general uh, weaning sale on Tuesday and of course our uh, cattle sale on Thursday. Just reminding you, dates for your diary. Monday next we have a dairy sale. There's 100 head there Matt. There's about 40 calved and 60 in calved that's on Monday plus our sheep sale Tuesday our weaning sale Thursday our general cattle sale a special major reduction sale of pedigree angus on the last Saturday of November that's the 25th of November for the Kilbarry stud more about that and on and also I'll be in Tullow on uh, Saturday for the pedigree uh, pedigree sheep sale there for Charleys and uh, some quality notches there so if you want a pedigree sholies sheep pop along to Tullow on Saturday I'd be more than happy to sell to you.
1: George, you're one of the most travelled people I know, up and down the country, across and beyond and everywhere, and I'm not surprised uh, because of all your goings over the weekend that you didn't get to make it into the park for the county final you you did miss I have to tell you you missed a great match so competitive so highly skillful. congratulations to both teams yes, naturally indeed. And, especially and, 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 to all I Alachlan suppose skills. commiserations
6: to uh, to Ballyhale Shamrocks but uh, well done to Lachlan Gales and, absolutely uh, Martin Brennan of course in the Stalworth in in the Martin Kenny uh, uh, over delighted I, I saw TJ from a distance not very delighted but TJ arrest will do you no harm and there's a and there's a, a statistic
1: worth uh, repeating five members of the O'Loughlin's Gales squad have uh, farming, uh, uh, to, to a greater or lesser extent, are farmers. farmers uh, extent, uh, and, yeah. mm-hmm. and a couple of members of the Ballyhill uh, squad as well, I have to say. it. So, great Indeed. to be able to reflect on that. But Indeed it is. Listen, if either team had won, uh, they, they would have fully deserved it, but uh, that's not taking anything from O'Loughlin Gales' great success. Now, let's get back to the day job, sort of, anyway. Not uh, so much in Killian Hill, but you were up in Common, you were in Gray, and you made headlines. <laughs> you got some great prices. Let me quote this. A commercial Belgian Blue Cross limousine heifer hit €6,500 in Elphin, and that was knocked down by George's gavel.
6: <laughs> yes indeed Matt that was a sale for Tom Corbett and a few more uh, contributors to that sale in Elphin. I got a phone call about two months ago about it would I consider it and uh, two auctioneers that were supposed to do it weren't able so as I said to the man who rang me I said Tom am I a third choice but anyway we did go down an awful lot of Northern Ireland people at the they ...ranged from 2,500 super heifers. Great confirmation. A lot of them would be maybe potentially showing heifers. Some of them could be flushing heifers. Uh, they ranged from 2,500 to 6,500. And I'd say 70 to 72 of those went to Northern Ireland. And they really threw it up to a smat uh, in Alfin. And of course, a great sale on Monday for the Limousin sale, sale in uh, in uh, I think the bulls averaged uh, close to 5,100 with the, um, the heifers close behind. Not that uh, big, but a around 3,200 uh, 3, per head uh, of an average there. Uh, excellent uh, sale for the Limousin Society in uh, Ross Grey last uh, Monday. I see
1: a, a photo of the junior champion, uh, top-priced bull Carrefour Turbo 16,500. There's great life in these pedigree cells.
6: There is indeed, and, and that one actually was bought by a suckler farmer, West Sweet, you know, so uh, uh, that shows confidence in it. Uh, there has been, of course, there's been a lot of uh, 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 scratching of head uh, regarding the new ICBF figures and all that, as you saw, of hit the headlines, but like, in fairness, as a man said to me, they can do what they like about figures, but if the actual animal is the one I look at, and as a man said to me in, in Kilkenny today, he said, I've been... Buying the Continentals, and uh, I'm not going to change that easily. And they're the ones that, in the end of the day, will will definitely be will be what I want to see. You know. Now, one
1: issue that's uh, highlighted on the front page of the journal this week, George, and I think it'll meet with your approval. You've often said it during the spring. Give those calves a chance to, to have a bit of weight on them and a bit of age on them. New weight and age limits to sell calves. Now it's, it's, it's not concluded yet, but the, the calf forum is discussing the need to add another week before you bring those calves to the mart and to have a minimum weight. And you know, I know there's logistics involved in keeping them on farms for a, a protracted period but there's a lot of logic and, and, and health rewards from,
6: from yeah. the, those well, initiatives. Well Matt, last, last year we, we, we kept them playing with our, uh, in step with the posse as I said uh, we did weigh calves coming into ring, so people had an idea of weight, weight of calves when they entered the ring and in fairness a lot of calves were much too young coming out I think three weeks could be the minimum uh, minimum time that uh, they should be there and uh, uh, farmers, don't be afraid to give them bee if you're going to sell them because it does really uh, make up a calf uh, if he has a, a, a good feed of beastines in him and not only is it beneficial to you because you're going to get more money for your product um, uh, but, but for the calf itself and of course Matt, we have a problem though, we will have a serious problem on, on, on Jersey cross calves specifically bulls because they're unsaleable that's the real... Yeah uh, and there's even a
1: suggestion there amongst the topics they're going to discuss before Christmas in, in concluding the new regime is a major curtailment possible on the use of Jersey genetics up to a total ban, and that was also discussed, but uh, the whole issue of the age, you can't bring them out now before 14 days, 21 is probably logical, they're they're flag-waving for 28 days, there'll probably be a bit of compromise, but
6: I, I I think it would be good for the reputation of 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 livestock owners. Indeed, and, and as you saw, the controversy created by that film on RT, which didn't sh- uh, hold hold calves, in in uh, the people who who look after calves in great light agreed they're going to look for the bleakest picture possible. But uh, in fairness, I I would think uh, you know twenty one to twenty eight days for a calf uh, would be beneficial for both buyer and seller.
1: Well, if the change is going to be made, it'll have to be done before the end of the year in order to have everybody ready exactly. for the new year. George, thank you very much. Martin, thank you very much for producing and engineering. And uh, until next week, from me, Matt O'Keefe, farm well, farm safely. Good night and goodbye.
0: Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by